You're listening to 103.5 FM, WLSPLP, Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Hello and welcome to What Are We Building? Another episode, they're still letting me do this, and I'm doing it from my house, like uh, every other kind of broadcast, television, radio entertainment personality. Um, I don't wouldn't go that far, but uh, yeah, I was able to get some remote uh, podcasting equipment. Thanks very much to Jeff and the Media Center. They were able to, to make that work so that we can still kind of provide you some content so we can keep our shows going here with a little bit better audio quality, not quite as good as we would be in the studio, but... Um, but we can at least uh, at least be better than just doing it straight on our phone. So my guest today is Scott Kugler. Scott is the Community Development Director for the City of Sun Prairie and has been in the planning department or in local government for, for close to 20 years now. So uh, depending on your, your point of view, Scott deserves most of the credit or the blame for being involved in um, Sun Prairie's kind of unprecedented growth over the last uh, you know 15 to 20 years. I moved here in the early 2000s, and it's certainly changed dramatically uh, over the time I've been here. I can only imagine it. if you grew up here you know, 40, 50 years ago, it's been a, been a lot of change and, and continues to be a, a lot of change, which is, which is what we're all dealing with here lately. Uh, obviously, with the, the situation and, and uh, coronavirus ongoing, uh, we still don't know where the end is in sight uh, or where the light is at the end of the tunnel, either locally here in Dane County, uh, Wisconsin, or nationally, uh, but we're all kind of doing our best. I actually worked the polls yesterday. I was recording this on Wednesday, the day after Election Day, so we don't have any results. But obviously with a lot of people calling in or having issues, and I don't blame them, elderly folks, people are in the target demographic most at risk. Uh, for the virus. Uh, They just didn't want to work the polls, and I I don't blame them. So um, myself, my wife, and I actually talked to a number of people that were uh, first-time poll workers, including a lot of younger people, college-age kids, who uh, were willing to step up and volunteer their time. You know, you're putting yourselves, there was a a significant amount of risk. And let's, let's start with that. First and foremost, there was no business, no reason that Wisconsin should have been holding an election yesterday when you saw uh, certainly the pictures from Milwaukee and the people lined up. Uh, They had it a lot worse than we did, but they did a phenomenal job, the city clerk's office. I'm going to talk about that a little more in a second, but we did a pretty good job, I think, in Sun Prairie, getting everybody to high school. If you voted in person or did curbside voting, they ran that really well. And the lines and the crowds of the actual voters were really non-existent. But where I was working and, and the people that were in um, you know, do, helping out with the election and, and poll workers that we were in pretty close quarters. And quite frankly, uh, that's as, as many people as I've been around in a number of different weeks. It was it was a little bit strange and awkward. Now, um, I did it because I, I understood there was some risk and I wanted to help out. And, and the clerk's office did a phenomenal job. Like I said, they had gloves available and masks and protective equipment and, and kept us a, a sanitizer and cleaning uh, and kept us as, uh, you know, as safe as, as we possibly could have. Shout out to Glass Nickel Pizza about five o'clock last night. They delivered a bunch of individually boxed. Uh, I can only imagine like boxes 
probably cost, but they were all individually boxed, so nobody had to, you know, stick their hands into a pizza and delivered pizza to get uh, to get our, uh, the poll workers through a long shift. It was a long day, uh, and I understand McDonald's also delivered, and the, the fire department was instrumental in, in getting some McDonald's breakfast burritos. My wife worked in the morning, and so you know all those kind of things, and and that that was an example of to me uh, the community what what we're capable of doing uh, with really good solid uh, leadership from the city government, uh, Elena Hilpe and, and the the city clerk staff just did a phenomenal job. They were stressed, obviously, and had a lot going on, but all the poll workers, they kept it in control and uh, and knew how to handle any given situation. There's always things don't always run smoothly and you have questions and they answered them all. And the city clerk's office and those are the people that are the unsung heroes of local government. They help everything run smoothly like an election and you don't hear their name unless something goes wrong. So it's a thankless job, um, but it's absolutely essential and critical to a functioning democracy and a functioning city government. Uh, Scott's one of those guys. I think you see see his name and picture a little bit more than some of the other folks because uh, he's he's a pretty public figure. But you know, not not necessarily a household name, but does a lot of the work to make sure that you know the the wheels of government continue to to run smoothly now or at any time. So we're going to take a little break and we'll come back and talk to Scott here in just a second. 103.5 FM, The Sun, serves the city of Sun Prairie at 103.5 FM or streaming at www.sunprairiemediacenter.com. You can find our content uh, through the app. You can go to the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store and download Sun Prairie Media Center. You can get on-demand content like uh, Kids 4, which unfortunately is not uh, going on right now, but a lot of video content uh, that people have done, community radio, and uh, lots of good stuff on the app. So uh, you can get this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and it's also on that Sun Prairie Media Center app. If you want to email the show, you can email wawbsp at gmail.com. So the first letters of What Are We Building Sun Prairie? Uh, W-A-W-B-S-P at gmail.com or on Twitter at W-A-W-B-S-P. Well, thanks thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I know um, when I, I first kind of had this idea for this podcast, certainly talking to uh, you know the person most responsible for building in the, in the area would be an important person to have on. So I appreciate you, you doing this. So glad to glad to help out. Glad to do it. So I, I, it's nice, I, I think, to kind of just get an idea of, of who we're talking to and kind of get to know the guest a little bit. Can, can you just give me a little bit of background? Where did you grow up? Sure. I, I was actually born in Indiana, but raised in Wisconsin. So I grew up in the Green Bay area, graduated from Green Bay Preble, uh, went to uh, school at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I got my undergraduate degree in urban studies there and then a master's degree in urban planning, a master's in community planning from the University of Cincinnati. So did you know, you must have known relatively early on or certainly in college, this was city planning, urban planning was something you wanted to get into? Actually, when I entered college, I had no clue. I was a young, naive, 18-year-old uh, trying to figure out life. It took a couple of years before I kind of figured it out. Not unlike, interestingly, not unlike most 18-year-olds, I think that's pretty common. Right. I was kind of clueless at that point. But interestingly, the I kind of got interested. I took an introduction to urban studies class. I think when I was a – it might have been my freshman year, maybe my the first semester of my sophomore year. Got my worst grade ever. Got a C. Um, but that's what I ended up focusing on. That's where my interest came. was thinking at that time that maybe I'd have some interest in becoming an architect. Uh, but then kind of figured out it wasn't really – you know, designing buildings that I was interested in. It was kind of a relationship 
uh, between buildings, what happens between them, and I kind of got interested in urban design and everything kind of spiraled from there. Mm. So then what did you do after college? I was a uh, planner for St. Joseph County, uh, Indiana, which is in the South Bend area for a couple of years. Did land use planning, reviewing zoning applications, things like that for a couple of years. Uh, figured out that my interest was not in rural planning at all. Uh, so quickly started looking around and took a, a job with the, the city of uh, Iowa City. That's where I kind of really got into urban planning and figured out, yeah, this is this is really for me at that point. And I uh, spent about six, six and a half years there before taking a position with a consulting firm in Madison. I uh, worked there for a short time and then hooked on with the uh, city of Sun Prairie in 2002. Yeah, so you're going on 18 years now with Sun Prairie, so you've seen obviously a lot of a lot of growth and development and change. Being in Iowa City, kind of fairly similar to Madison, college town. Did, did that? Did something about being in a suburb appeal to you versus kind of in a you know a larger you know metropolitan area or even a, you know a city the size of, of Madison or Iowa City? Well, you know, when I moved to Madison, I mentioned I was working for a consulting firm, and you know, at that point, you you start. It was my first time living in the Madison area. Even though I was from Wisconsin, I hadn't spent a lot of time here. Yeah, and you start looking around and uh, you know trying to discover your your area, your region. And uh, I guess what I had saw happening in Sun Prairie was uh, some innovative stuff. You know, there was some growth, which obviously is uh, attractive to someone in my line of work because you know there's going to be some interesting things to do and deal with. And then just uh, you know started uh, seeing some of the things happening here at that time. There was. You know, a lot of talk about uh, this concept of traditional neighborhood development. You know, Smith's Crossing was kind of in the planning stages at that point, and a few other neighborhoods saw that they were just in uh, kind of the beginning stages of looking at downtown redevelopment, and just seemed like a good uh, a good environment for someone in my line of work, I guess. Yeah, I think um, it, I, that's I really certainly would... borne itself out. I would say over the last fifteen twenty. Oh, years. definitely. Yeah, yeah it's been. It's been fun and exciting, and I've had a lot of opportunities here. Was not looking for a job at that point, but I uh, was interested enough in Sun Prairie that uh, I said, "Hey, I've got to check this out." And the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you first started with Sun Prairie, what was your position? I was actually the principal planner. Okay. So at that time, Sun Prairie had a planning director and a staff planner, and this was a new position being added. So it was a third person in the department, and they were looking for someone at uh, you know kind of that. Uh, the higher level of experience at that point, I had um, you know, a good eight or nine years, uh, or actually more like 10 years under my belt, I guess. So they were looking to bring someone in who could handle a little more complex projects. Uh, it wasn't uh, six months after that that the planning director at that time, Rick Roll, uh, took a job with a consulting firm in Madison. Hmm. And uh, you know, the, all of a sudden, we were leaderless. And uh, so I tossed my name in the hat there. So it was within that first year that I was promoted to planning director. Okay, and so what is the structure now? Essentially, is it is it similar or has it changed? Well, it's changed quite a bit actually. So I'm no longer the planning director. My title now is the community development director. Right, so I oversee the planning division as well as economic development, building inspection, and then the media center actually kind of sits under economic development right now in our structure. So okay, in kind of a indirect way, I oversee the media center as well. Although I'm not very active in uh, in what goes on down there. Okay. For somebody that doesn't understand, and I guess I would consider myself, what 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 exactly? If you got to give a, a quick overview of what the planning department does to the average citizen, how do you describe that? Well, sure. So we uh, were the the primary um, department, I guess, involved in overseeing most of our development rules, right? So when it comes to the zoning ordinance, the subdivision ordinance, 
and a few other chapters of our municipal code, we are the the primary enforcers of those, I guess. So, so um, just, we process- just, to, just to back up a second, I mean, you, you can't sure. you can't just build anything you want on any plot. Of, if you own a plot of land, you can't just build anything you want. And so there are there are codes and, and zones, right. obviously, that, that govern all that. And you guys are kind of the, the keeper of all that stuff. Yeah, it all starts with our comprehensive plan, right? So we're kind of in charge with uh, creating, maintaining, and updating uh, the comprehensive plan and then, you know, uh, implementing that plan. So the plan kind of lays out uh, not only in terms of land use, but also, you know, policy from a policy standpoint, uh, lays out the, the general concepts and goals and objectives related to the development of the city and the growth of the city. Yes, sorry to interrupt. Is, is that the kind of thing that, that you develop and sort of present to the city council that they then approve, or is it is it more something that they develop on their own and then bring to you? Kind of what's the direction, or is it all collaborative? So the, it's collaborative. The planning department is the you – know, we're the department responsible for putting that plan together, but it's it's clearly working with – not only the rest of the you know, city staff and departments uh, and our elected officials, but also the community, right? So yeah. any, any effort like that involves a lot of public meetings. Um, we usually have a steering committee made up of citizens that oversees that process. And what we try to do is kind of lay out, okay, here are the issues. You know, first of all, what are the issues facing the city? What are our goals and aspirations? And then we try to put together a plan and policies to try to you know, achieve those goals long term. Yeah, uh, the plan think, is usually pretty high, you know, pie in the sky. You know, there's, there's some pretty uh, high-end uh, goals there, but uh, you, know, you try to, to do your best to make sure you're always working towards those, even though, you know, you probably are never going to get there exactly. Yeah, and that to me is the kind of thing that most citizens, I think, if, if they want to be engaged at all, can look at and, and sort of have a high-level you know, this is the this is the guidepost or, or the plan. Uh, you know, if you want to get into the weeds on specific projects, and you know, people tend to, depending on how interested they are or how close it is uh, to them, they they can do that. But if you want to kind of know what's going on at a high level, that that plan, I assume it's available to see. It's public information. It's on the website. If you, if you kind of want to know, you know. Oh yeah, mo- most definitely, it's on our website. Uh, go to the the planning page and uh, all of our, our plans are out there. We've got the, you know, the broader comprehensive plan and then there are some specific uh, more neighborhood focused plans and topic uh, focused plans out there as well. And so a lot of times people question why, why is the city doing this or why are we going in this direction? A lot of it kind of goes back to that, that comprehensive plan. And if you, if you, and it's long-term and if you understand that you sort of understand kind of how these decisions get made because they're supposed to sort of serve that overall idea. Yep. Yeah. The goal is that we're always looking back at the plan and we're always making decisions consistent. And obviously, you know, the political process, it's uh, we sometimes we, we stray a little bit and have to reel back in. But, uh, um, you know, the overall goal, I, I would people often refer to the the comprehensive plan as a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, I never look at it that way. I think it more it's more like a compass. Right. You know, the, the plan's not going to tell you exactly how to get from here to where you want to be in 20 or 30 years. It's going to kind of give you a guide and. Um, hopefully the decisions that you make along the way are all pointing towards that end goal, even if every little decision along the way might not might not seem uh, to be completely consistent. You know, the, the overall goal is to kind of get to that future point. The plan's not going to give us the exact route. It's going to give us the direction. Sure. Right? And are there, I mean, are there three or four bullet points that are part of that plan that you can just say, hey, these, these are the goals, these are the objectives that that plan kind of lays out and what we're trying to do is reinforce those? 
Boy, the plan is pretty broad, right? So yeah. there's nine nine elements that we're required to have in our plan for the state statute, and they deal with broad elements like transportation, housing, economic development, land use. Uh, so there's so much in there; it's hard to gotcha. to just point out uh, a few. I'd, I'd say the um, you know some of the bigger topics with our most recent update were housing. You know, housing is a is a critically important issue. Uh, people have a lot of opinions and views on housing, but the fact is we are uh, undersupplied right now and there's you know that's probably going to be one of our greatest needs over the next 20 years is how do we deal with the need to house the population growth that we're expected to have not only in sun prairie but dane county it's a regional thing it's not just sun prairie focused you say underserved and that's that's single family homes apartments all the above and yes all of the above i mean it's a it's kind of across the board we're actually one of the recommendations of the plan that so we we just updated our plan uh, was adopted last fall and one of the big recommendations there was to do a housing needs assessment to find out, you know, what what more specifically are our needs and where should we be focusing our efforts. We know there's a big need in terms of you know, affordable housing in the community and how do we we deal with that. But one of you know one of the things we're struggling with right now is just that overall affordability right across yep. all categories. Thing, you know, rents are skyrocketing, housing costs are skyrocketing, and recent decades and most of that has to do with the scarcity of housing you know it's a simple economic supply and demand high demand and and low supply right now yeah and i mean i I don't i I don't think you want any suburb to be strictly a bedroom community where everybody sleeps here and then works in madison but by the same token you want some people to to be able to live here so they can also shop and support the restaurants and and the the local economy and kind of kind of have that mix and you know you want people to be able to to live here too definitely i mean uh, uh, a uh the most viable community is one that's, you know, internally sustainable, right? The, so it doesn't make sense to add jobs, uh, to add uh, services and so forth, if you're not all, also providing a place for those jobs to sleep at night, right? So housing yep. and economic development, uh, they're really not two separate things. They're one and the same. Yeah. So, I mean, I know it's early. You mentioned there's been, you know, scarcity of housing. Obviously, interest rates have been very low. Unemployment's been very low, all these conditions. But we're, we're in a, a pretty you know huge economic upheaval have you seen anything here just in the last few weeks that would cause you to sort of reassess where you think we're headed with either in terms of housing or or just building projects in general you know what's been going on last few weeks sure yeah i think there's going to be a lot of reassessing and rethinking and re-strategizing that needs to be done here there's no doubt about that this is uh we're kind of in uncharted waters here in terms of uh you know the breadth of this of this crisis that we're in. Um, You know, we got a little preview, I guess, with the explosion downtown a couple of years ago and kind of the the chaos that uh, that created for some period of time afterwards trying to recover. But this is much broader than that. So a lot of uncertainties out there. And we're so we're tracking closely now because we're uh, we're trying to get a handle, too, on what this is going to do to not only the local economy, but the city budget and so forth. And so far, development, um, the statistics out there are have not shown that there's been a big impact, right? Construction is one of those essential services right. that's been allowed to continue under the government's order. And we're still seeing a lot of activities. So, um, and we tracked uh, building permits, zoning permits, things like that, that have been issued in, in March versus uh, past years. And things seem to be fairly consistent. We're not seeing a big uh, turn down. Uh, although we're all working from home, we're still, you know, my staff is still feeling like, Geez, it's just as busy, if not busier, okay. um, right now. Um, we've certainly been kind of stressed here just to keep up with everything. Our inspectors are still out doing inspections. My big push to my staff is, geez, the economy's 
taking a big hit here, but one of the one of the few pieces that is still chugging along is construction and development. Yeah. And anything that we can do to keep that flowing and not slow that down is going to help kind of cushion that blow a little bit, right? So, so we can keep that moving. We can keep people employed. Still, they're still out there buying materials, buying equipment. We have at least some activity going on out there in the community. Yep, definitely. So everything is, you know, as far as the, the new Meyer development or the Summit Credit Union, the Hy-Vee convenience store, everything kind of along that Highway C corridor, all those projects are still moving forward as far as you know? As far as we know, we've, we've certainly done nothing um, at the city level to slow down or stop those projects in any way. I think every one of those developers, you know, is probably looking at their own situation right now and deciding, geez, does it make does it make sense to move forward? Does it make sense to keep going? Should we be holding back a little bit? So that's kind of what we're trying to monitor is, you know, are those decisions being made yet? Are we seeing things slow down? We haven't seen any evidence of that yet, but, you know, we're not in all of those uh, boardrooms and, yep. you know, all those, the strategy that's been discussed out there. I'm sure there's a lot of that discussion at this point. So well, like we're kind everything, of waiting to see. Like everything else, it changes, you know, day by day, week to week. You, you just don't know what, what next yep. is going to come. Yeah, it's it's difficult. And yeah, I mean, the news you read one day is completely different the next day. Yeah. So we're just trying to keep tabs and, uh, you know, see if we can notice any trends, because obviously that's going to have, you know, a, a big impact on a, a lot of things here. But in the meantime, I think it's important that we, you know, stay on top of things. And there's nothing that we do within our departments that slows that down or impacts them in any way. We're, we're trying to adjust as best we can in terms of how we take applications in, how we do our inspections, how we uh, you know, just deal with development. Uh, we had two plan commissions scheduled for this month, and although we've seen a couple of projects drop off those agendas, they weren't, I don't, I don't think those decisions were made because of the pandemic. There were just a couple of issues going on there. We're still moving forward with those meetings. You know, we're finding ways to host those uh, virtually um, so that we can you know, continue to get input from the public and keep those projects moving. You know, so we're, my goal is just to, to not do anything on our end is going to, to slow that economic activity down sure. at all, right? So we want to keep the, keep the ball rolling. Obviously, decisions are going to be what they are, right? Sometimes projects get approved. Sometimes they get denied based on, uh, you know, the, the fit in the neighborhood and politics and so forth. But I don't want anything uh, that we're doing to kind of upset that uh, yeah, process. Yeah, keep, keep the gears, you know, oiled and moving as, as best you can. Can I ask you about specifically that I know, and I'm I'm blanking on the cross street, but right next to to City Hall, I know there's that there was a proposal. There were a couple of proposals for like a, a new apartment building or condos and like a glass nickel pizza going in there. Was it was a decision made on that, or, or is they are they still evaluating that? So that was discussed last night uh, at the uh, the committee of the whole meeting. Uh, it was in closed session, closed session, so I can't provide a lot of details yet about okay. what's happening there. But no, a decision has not been made. Yet uh, we're still kind of in the uh, let's gather information and try to refine those proposals a little bit before um, the city makes a decision. We uh, we got two developers that uh, expressed interest and submitted concept plans that we're we're looking at right now. So the the hope is that soon we will get direction to focus on one of those two and then try to move that forward for development. Sure. And then and then you mentioned the the explosion downtown, and I, I know that's obviously certainly very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, and there's kind of an emotional connection there. Can you give everybody an update on, you know, what was what was approved in terms of a plan for that site and if there's any kind of timeline for, for breaking ground on that project at all? 
Yeah, I wish I could provide uh, some concrete dates there, but I simply don't have them. So yeah. we went through a process to adopt a redevelopment plan, uh, basically working with the community to come up with a plan that you know people people feel would be acceptable at that corner and that people would back uh, and to look at you know what are the opportunities there and let's try to capitalize on them as well. So we adopted that plan. Uh, I think it was adopted in January. The city doesn't control those properties. Some of those are all under private ownership, so right. there's not much we can do to uh, – we're, we're trying to encourage and work with uh, that developer to move things forward and talk about possibilities there, but those need to be private decisions by those private landowners as to when and uh, in what form those move forward. So uh, hopefully we'll see some uh, a proposal there soon in some form or another. Hopefully it complies with and, and you know is compatible with the plan that we adopted. You know, we'll see where things go, but I don't have a timeline for that at this point. So, just in terms of how that process works, the are the are developers involved in that in, in creating that plan, or oh. you know, how oh. how concrete is that? Well, I mean, we we hired the Lakota Group uh, right. to come in. It's a planning firm to come in and work with the community to put together that plan. And certainly, the property owners were involved. We met specifically with the individual property owners uh, at that corner. Boy, I wouldn't even get, I want to guess at how many times, numerous times throughout that process you know, to make sure that uh, their ideas were brought to the table, that uh, some of the feedback we were getting from the community was relayed to them. I mean, it's I think it's uh, in their best interest to kind of listen to that feedback from the community and come in with something that is consistent with the plan. And yeah, I will say that we have seen a couple of concept plans from the property owner there, and they are trying to do that. I, I, I don't know exactly where the... Uh, where things stand in terms of when they might submit an actual uh, development plan for for approval. Uh, but yes, they're certainly involved. They're, they're key stakeholders and it doesn't make much sense to go ahead and adopt a big grand plan without getting, you know, their thoughts and input and making sure that they understand and, you know, are, are kind of on, uh, on board with the plan as well. Our indications from those property owners is that, yes, they see the same opportunities and uh, hopefully they bring in something that is, uh, consistent with the plan and, and we can move forward. And yeah, I think the one of the big advantages of doing that is yeah, a lot of times the, the public hearing process with respect to development can get pretty messy, right? A lot of people have a lot of opinions. I was just thinking happening of, uh, near their homes. using that word and, messy. Um, uh, messy is a good word. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the hope is that, you know, by going through this process and getting some feedback, giving that information to the landowners there uh, and, you know, hopefully they're coming in with something that kind of follows that, that lead or that guide, I guess, uh, hopefully we right. can kind of ease that process a little bit. And yeah, it, it's not, I don't think it's as black and white that, that the city adopts a plan and dictates this is what must be built. And it's not that, you know, the, the, the developers have carte blanche to develop whatever they want. It, it's a little bit of a messy process and it's complicated, but it's collaborative and people have their input and say, um, but you hope that everybody sort of has buy-in, not that the final product will be exactly as it was drawn up, but that pretty close to, to what the original plan was set out. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah that's the idea. And I, you know, I think that it's, it's uh, pretty likely that whatever development happens there, uh, we are there's a TIF district downtown, so mm-hmm. an opportunity for the city to participate financially to help, um, you know, I guess, encourage development and try to achieve uh, what's in that plan. That gives this, the city council a little bit more leverage and a little bit more ability to make sure that some of the, the features that are in that plan or some of the ideas in that plan actually uh, happen on site. Right? Yeah, so they're so- in control of the, the release of that of that financial assistance if they choose to provide it. Absolutely. 
And so I haven't looked at it in a while. And if people haven't seen the plan for, you know, that the downtown explosion site, can you just give a couple, uh, just as we're wrapping up here, uh, leave us a, a couple of high points of what are, what, understanding there's no guarantee of what the final product's going to be, but uh, what are some highlights of what, what is in that plan? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the plan has a lot of uh, uh, nice features, unique features, and I think things that people would find very interesting down there. So, you know, not a big surprise. The, the plan calls for a continuation of that mixed use development character along Main Street, right? So buildings up close to the street, retail or some sort of commercial use on the first level with housing up above. You know, housing is always a controversial thing. We talked about the need a little earlier, but I think in the downtown, it's critical, right? The more people we have living downtown, the more support there's going to be for not only the existing businesses down there, but also any new businesses that might move in. So there is a totally agree substantial, 100%. yeah, there's a substantial housing component to the plan. Um, but we also in developing that plan kind of recognize what's happening down at Ashley field. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a complete reconstruction of, you know, kind of exciting project down there and nice amenity being added. And then there's about, that's about two blocks away from uh, the explosion site. Right. So we wanted to make sure that we were looking at any potential, synergies between those two sites and one of the things that's in the plan is the creation of what's called the festival street along what's now lane street lane street is a sleepy little you know narrow street that kind of runs down from downtown over towards ashley field and then stops at south street but what if we were able to rebuild that into something a little more special you know something that most of the time is a shared street that's used by pedestrians bikes and cars but at times could be shut down uh, for festivals, events, maybe the parade route runs down uh, that block uh, or that two-block stretch. And can we you know, improve the circulation down there such that that connection between Ashley Field and events that might happen there, whether that's football games or future concerts or whatever activities might happen at that site, can work in tandem with downtown. And you know, that's so the idea of creating a nice link between those areas. And then the other feature in the plan really is just creating a variety of housing types there right so there's something for for everybody or at least for a broader range not just apartments some townhouses even some single family lots small single family lots that uh kind of butt up to the neighborhood on south street and you know the idea of there being a a neighborhood developed back there that has a variety of housing that might hit several different markets cool that all sounds great um i'm like i said nobody knows how these things don't happen as fast as quickly as we'd like them to, but um, I, I think it's exciting to have something for the town to rally around. And um, I, I haven't been down there to see what's going on in Ashley Field for a while. I need to get down there. They were just talking about that yesterday. So I, that whole corridor and area has, has got a lot of potential, so I'm excited about it. I haven't seen either. We've all been locked up in our homes for the last three weeks or so. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, right. kind of losing touch with what's going on out there altogether. Well, Scott, thank you very much for your time today. That That'll about wrap up uh time we've got um but, welcome. thanks for the invite uh, yeah and i think you know as as we continue to, to move on i'd love to have you back and or just check in with you from time to time if, if there's any projects going on or we have questions so i i appreciate sure. it Sure, i'd be happy to do that all right have a, thanks, uh, a good rest of your day thanks so much scott You're listening to 103.5 The Sun, Sun Prairie's community radio station. Stay tuned for more local talk, sports, music, and community events.